Hi, listener. Thanks for tuning in to China Manufacturing Decoded again. I'm Adrian and joined, as we often are, by our CEO, Renault. Hey, Adrian. Now, in Hong Kong soon, I'll just mention this at the top of the show, you're actually on a, a real-life, in-person panel at the uh, Global Sources show in Hong Kong. So buyers are actually going to be traveling to Hong Kong and people that are already there to actually come to the show in person. Yeah, nobody knows how many people would, <laughs> would actually travel there. But there's no, there's zero requirement of quarantines, just some requirements that it seems are going to be waived in a few days anyway, uh, mm. mostly. So let, let's see, there's a lot of rumors. Uh, and um, on October 12th, which mm. actually we're recording this podcast before that, but the podcast might yes. come out after that. Uh, yeah, I'll be, um, be presenting something about you know, tips to, to source the right kind of suppliers. Uh, yeah, you make a good point. This this is going to be out on uh, the 14th. And so you'll have done this particular presentation. But what we're going to do is we're going to have access to that presentation and it will go up on the Sophie's social media channels. So LinkedIn's a popular one. Uh, and yeah, so anybody interested in those tips about finding the right suppliers, that's going to be coming. So keep an eye out for that. And uh, yeah, what a what a change it's going to make to actually do in person events for you know the first time in years, right? Yeah, right, right. First time in three years, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been mm. a long time. Yeah, crazy, <laughs> uh, crazy. Yeah, I'll be um, be curious to see how many suppliers put up put up a a booth and. Um, how much traffic there is and what people generally say there. I mean, we'll talk about it after that, right? Um, mm. I, I really don't know what to expect. Some suppliers are going to be able to make the trip from mainland China because uh, there's, you know, the, the border is a little bit open to them to come into Hong Kong. Not fully open, of course, but there are some schemes. If it's something important like a trade show, I guess they can come, some of mm. them anyway. So that's one thing, but then you still need the foreign buyers. Anyway, they need to restart in one way or another, and then we'll see how it goes. And I think for certain categories like electronics, toys, and so on, it's going to restart in Hong Kong. It's, it's not just yeah. going away. But well, especially if people cannot fly to mainland China, like to the Canton Fair and so on. But it's going to be a very slow start. But a start nonetheless. Uh, I'm I'm excited. It's a step in the right direction, hopefully. Yeah. But this is I think we said the same last week, right? So right, right. so yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed. Today's topic, something a little bit different. Basically, there's one question to ask. And that is, what is quality? And this is something we talk about a lot. And at Sophie, so anybody that's been on the website, they know that quality inspections, for example, are an important solution that we provide to entrepreneurs, SMEs all around South Asia and uh, East Asia and Southeast Asia as well. So 
Equality is something that we've spoken about, written about a great deal. But I suppose getting into the theory of the thing and how it affects manufacturing, this is really somewhere that uh, you've got a lot of expertise. So I'm really interested to get into that, Renault. Well, it's, it's more like, yeah, taking a step back and being a little bit philosophical, right? Mm. <laughs> People talk about quality and they throw this, this world around. And really, there's a lot of things that <laughs> that can be called, you know, bad quality, good quality, whatever, depending on the mm-hmm. context, depending on the even the kind of products and so on. So it really needs to be unpacked. And th- the first thing I would say that is useful is there's little Q quality and big Q quality. I don't know where I read that a few years ago, but I was like, yeah, yeah, right. That's That's a nice way of putting it. So... Little Q, you know, a quality with a, a small Q is very, how to say, <laughs> close to the ground, very uh, pragmatic, very, uh, you know, not, not, not philosophical at all. It's really, there's a product and does it conform to specifications, right? There, something was promised and is it... <laughs> Is it happening? You know, is it really the situation? You know, is it within tolerance? Is it the right grade of blue? Uh, Does it turn on this way when I press that button or what? Okay. Mm. So that's the most basic uh, approach. And um, really, when you when you look at, um, you know, ISO 9001 and things like that, well, it, it's really all about, you know, what what is promised, and is you know was the promise upheld, or 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 is there is there a problem, you know, or is there a cause for for customers not to be happy, and really it's it's you know, little cute type of quality, <laughs> but it's it has to be there, it has to be there, right? If you don't even do that, you you have a problem. If you can't even deliver consistently uh, within tolerance and you know exactly as promised, you get a problem. You you might not stay in business for very long. So it's very much the the basics. Okay, um, that's why um, mechanical engineers and electrical engineers and, and things like that, uh, when when they start to work uh, in 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 a company. They've got to learn the very basics about quality. You know, uh, okay, you do uh, you do three D drawings of some mechanical parts. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna put it in a two D drawing. You're gonna have to specify what are the important dimensions, uh, what what is the tolerance, things like that, because you get to give some guidance on quality, and you need to give the inspectors a way to confirm that what you wanted you know, is what was done, okay? So mm. um, it's, it's really about the basics, let, let's say it this way. Um, and and don't get me wrong, there's a lot of companies not, not doing that, okay? So uh, it's the basics, but when you go to, let's say politely, you know, emerging economies and, you know, a lot of uh, bottom-of-the-barrel suppliers here around China and, also in Vietnam and in India and so on, some of them consist consistently fail 
to uh, to to do that. So it is it is very much an issue uh, in certain industries, especially let's say cheap consumer goods and so on, right? Uh, and and some buyers also don't take the steps to um, to 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 provide clear guidance on what is acceptable or what is not acceptable, right? Uh, they say, oh, it's very important that this is whatever, uh, 20.5 cm from here to here. Okay, but what's the tolerance? You know, and nobody wants to to decide and the designer has no clue because it's basic, but it's something that they, you know, they're unable to, uh, to, to put on the drawing. So um, it, it's basic, but in our world, it's still often lacking, right? Um, mm. And again, yeah, come back to ISO 9001. Yeah, that's very much, you know, all about conformance to specifications and to they enlarge it a little bit. You know, it's it's making sure that the the, the different stakeholders, you know, the different interested parties, as they say, have expectations. These expectations are um, recognized and 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 that this, you know it's taken into account in the plan, basically, right? Uh, but then in the end, it's still about um, thinking of what is required and expected and then uh, taking steps to to ensure that, um, that 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 these people would be happy right uh, so it's all about the, the, again the basics uh, what mm. is promised and how do we um, how, how do we actually uh, make sure they're happy now there's quality with a big Q. And that's more about is it, how to say it's much it has a much wider scope. Okay, if you work on quality with a big Q, then you uh, you take two three steps back and you you look at you know the process and the materials and everything and you say okay, what to do to make sure that uh, all of this comes nicely together, and you don't just look at you know, the finished products, are they going to be within specifications, blah, blah, blah. You look at uh, the ability of that that whole process and that whole supply chain to, to deliver on time, on quality, on budget, you know, consistently uh, without surprises. And that really takes you into completely another realm. Right? It's really about uh, designing the process and picking the right people to work with, the right suppliers to work with, obviously, and having a plan to to improve all these processes uh, where it makes the most sense, you know, prioritize and everything, obviously, to get to you know closer and closer to let's say the perfect process, okay. And that's where quality people supposed to work hand in hand with uh, maintenance people, with uh, you know human resources people to make sure people are trained, etc., uh, etc. Et with all the other, you know, with purchasing, with production, etc., uh, with continuous improvement, uh, lean, whatever they they like to be called, all of these folks, they should all be working in the same direction, right? Mm-hmm. That was sort of the philosophy of uh, of, of dimming. Uh, a um, famous, originally a statistician with the, the U.S. Census, and he went to Japan a number of times and so on. And uh, 
he influenced a bunch of a bunch of companies, uh, including Toyota. And Deming's, let's say, general philosophy uh, turned into a bit of a fad in the in the 80s with what they called total quality management. But the the idea was was pretty good. You know, it, total means everybody in the company and everybody in the supply chain, including the suppliers and so on, get to work on this together and they've got to think of the impact of what they're doing, you know, and and mm. and the design of the processes that they follow, et cetera, et cetera. The impact of all that on the customers, you know, including internal customers, external customers, et cetera, right? Again, in terms of product quality, but also... Um, you know, on-time delivery, you know, cost control, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, I say a, fa- a little bit of a fad because uh, just like Six Sigma and some other things, you know, there might be some good stuff in there and there was, there is a lot of good stuff, but people just uh, jumped on the bank wagon and, and gave it a try like a program. And, but, uh, and then after two or three years, they say, oh, okay, we're happy about this, we're happy about this. And now our next priority is this other stuff. And then they, they completely um, drop the focus on it and <laughs> and they go into something else, right? So uh, it's a little bit sad to see that. Very, very common, in, um, especially around quality uh, quality um, topics. It's very common. Mm. So that's, you know, quality with a little Q, quality with a big Q, a very smart, I would say, definition. So there's a ton of definitions, right? Is conformance to specifications, uh, fitness for purpose, which is a little bit wider, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's a ton of definitions of what is quality. But a guy called Juran, Joseph Juran, who also is, is considered pretty much a what they call a guru in quality, you know, sort of at the same level as as, as Deming. And this guy also had a lot of influence over American and Japanese uh, businesses. He um, he's pretty famous because he published a, a handbook with a number of other authors. And then you, I don't know, it's now it's like uh, the sixth edition or the seventh edition. I don't even know. I'm not really following up. I have an older one, maybe the fifth one. And he his definition is that quality is the agreement of reality and expectancy, right? So the, the words are very uh, important here. What is reality? Well, that <laughs> you can look at any part of, of a manufacturing operation, for example, you say, you know, what is reality here? Like what is, you know, of course, what is the finished product? How good is it? How, you know, what's the proportion of good ones, etc. cetera? Uh, you can look at the... The lifetime of expensive equipment. You can look at uh, a number of things. You know the amount of material that is scrapped or that is reworked. You know the the uh, something that's becoming more and more important these days. Uh, we all the focus on environmental conservation. The amount of energy consumed, right? Uh, the number of material that was um, that did not make it into the final product, etc., etc., etc. Right. Mm. So you can. You can pick whatever indicator you want that makes sense. Uh, and you say, does reality, you know, the, the real situation agree with expectancy? And expectancy has sort of a double meaning, which is uh, quite um, quite interesting. Uh, one is what is expected, you know, by 
customers, you know, internal customers, whatever, right? Uh, Whoever it is. So if it's about having finished products that are pretty good consistently, then it's it's a customer, right? Or the next process or whatever. If it's the, the lifetime of the equipment, well, it might be finance, okay? Because it has a very strong impact on the amount of investment needed uh, to to mm-hmm. maybe to, uh, to keep maintaining equi- that equipment and to to uh, to renew it when when needed. So, what is expected? And then, uh, have we done a good enough job to to keep up, you know, with these expectations? And the other meaning is, you know, mathematical expectancy. So um, this, uh, the most advanced manufacturers, uh, especially for complex processes that involved a lot of uh, physical or chemical reactions, a bit, you know, complex processes, especially when there's a lot of variables coming into play, tend to use statistical tools to, mm-hmm. um, to understand what happens in their processes and, and, and how to make them stable, how to make them more capable, et cetera, et cetera, over time. Okay. Uh, so, um, yeah, <laughs> if, if you use all of that, yeah, you're going to have a, uh, an expectancy basically. Okay. If we do all this, this is what the model tells us that we should get and how we're getting there. Right. So that's sort of the mm-hmm. double meaning. So it, it's pretty, um, pretty wide. Anyway, the, the agreement of reality with expectancy, it's actually quite profound because yeah, you, you can, can go to a manufacturing place and look at things and, you know, tell them in general, you know, sorry, but here quality sucks. And then they will say, well, you know, they will usually tend to, to understand it as your, your finished products are pretty bad. And maybe they will say, no, look, they're good and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But you, that's because you readjust every single one of them. So you keep doing rework and then you have inspectors to sort out the bad ones and then you reprocess them and so it's extremely inefficient and then what happens is you you pass these costs on to your customer in the end right <laughs> so mm. is your customer still happy anyway uh, you know of course not and the products that have been reworked they're not as good as the the first time good products i'm sorry you know in terms of reliability and everything and maybe they are Maybe they are okay right now, but maybe in six months uh, they will, yeah, they will naturally go back to uh, maybe the wrong shape or something. So, when a manager takes that kind of, um, I would say, um, a view of of their operations, and you know, they, they try to think, okay, with that kind of definition of quality, you know, are we doing a great job? Well, it's pretty obvious, you know, what the issues are. And it's very important to get away from quality with a little Q. Hey, what what is the acceptance rate or the, the reject rate uh, communicated by our customer? Oh, they say it's um, whatever one percent, and we know from you know we know who the competitors are, and we know that theirs is one point five percent. Okay, we're doing great, <laughs> right? Hmm. But no, what one percent is one percent too many? What can be done to to um, to reduce that, right? And um, and the customer might expect zero point five percent, right? So actually, you are not you are not delivering to the quality that they want. 
right there. Uh, you know, you, you're not delivering to the expectancy of the customer. Right there, quality is not good. Okay. Um, yeah. And so that, yeah, that's, you know, little Q, big Q type of quality. Uh, do you want to look uh, into the, how to say, with a very narrow focus, or you want to uh, to step back and try to think uh, more in terms of process excellence, right? Uh, how can we get closer to process excellence? Because that's really the way in the long run to uh, to keep improving and to keep surviving, really. Okay. Mm. Um, so another interesting angle to the question, what is quality? Is if we look at a product quality, okay? Product quality, what actually is expected by a customer, consumer, whatever, you know, of a product? And it would tend to uh, to differ from product category to product category, right? So mm. if it's a medical device, you really want to make sure, I don't know, it's, you know, it's sterile and it's not going to bring you any extra infection or anything like that, right? Uh, if, if it's uh, a class, class two, class three device, oof, you know, you, you, you really want to make sure you're safe. Like it's not going to bring more problems. If it's a medical device, like a heart rate monitor, you really want to make sure it works also. Like you can depend on it. It's going to keep working. It's not going to stop after two weeks, right? So that it's a question of reliability, durability, right? If you drive a car and you buy a, uh, I don't know, a Toyota Prius, then you hope that your gas consumption will be very low. And maybe that's your number one, and, and that, you know, gas emissions will be very low too. Maybe that, that's why you, that's your number one criteria for buying it. If you buy a, an expensive, uh, an expensive Tesla uh, Model S or something, then, you know, maybe it's, it's all about the prestige of being, you know, uh, associated with a forward-looking brand and, and at the same time it's a pretty cool product and it, it maybe you're getting a bit uh, a bit old but it makes you look a bit or feel a little bit more like a young man you know <laughs> <laughs> so the, it's all about uh, self-esteem and, and, and mm. you know the self-image right and if you buy um, if, you, if you buy a Patagonia shirt then you want to be seen as one of those people in the group of people who are very actively engaged and, and who, who really don't want to have anything to do with products that uh, that can damage the environment. So it's sort of, um, mm. uh, you know, uh, it's, it's about having meaning, right, in your life and, and, um, and, and, yeah, sort of being accepted in a group and being seen in a certain way, right? Mm. Does that make sense? It's, it's a lot of different... Different things, different uh, different values of a product, right? And mm. very often, when people say, "Oh, uh, this is a great product, this is a good product," uh, it, it get it's got to be unpacked a little bit. It's got to be unpacked. And there's an interesting book that was published a while ago. 
by uh, David Garvin. It was called Managing Quality, right? And uh, it was published uh, when uh, American industry was really under siege. And they, really, they, were, they were having a lot of issues with um, Japanese products. It was in the 80s. He tried to explain, you know, don't just focus on, on, on one or two things that the Japanese are very good at because you're going you're gonna to get toasted. Uh, you're going to focus more on what, what customers really want. And you got to think of where you need to have a competitive edge. You know, if you, if you, for example, in the auto industry at that time, if you try to develop a new model faster than Japanese, if you want to have, have a model that's, you know, uh, that offers more bang for, for the buck than the Japanese and consume less gas, uh, you know, and is is more reliable, et cetera, et cetera. Well, good luck with that. You know, it's going to take you a long time. And yeah, it, it it took them, you know, a good 20 years to realign. Uh, and, and right now there's not much of a competitive edge of the Japanese in that, in that regard anymore. Um, mm. So, but, but, you know, focus on certain other things. And he said there's five factors. And that's, that's pretty interesting. Uh, the first one is performance. Okay. So, yeah, you, you, you make a, a motorbike, uh, 250cc motorbike. And people want to know, you know, how fast zero to 60 miles an hour, you know, what's the top speed, blah, blah, blah. You know, what's the weight, what's the consumption? And all of that is, is, is performance. And for certain products, it is quite important, obviously. Okay. Uh, for, oh, think of um, cameras, you know, expensive, expensive cameras for, for people who spend a lot of time taking photos and think of themselves as uh, relatively advanced, uh, you know, photo geeks, let's say. Huh. Well, they they're going to um, to compare them on certain uh, s- certain criteria, and it's the same along a lot of a lot of categories in electronics, right? What is the thinnest laptop? What is the the fastest processor to do this or that, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. So uh, performance, um, but if people get focused on that, they might miss a lot of other things. Another one is reliability, and we've been talking a lot about reliability and durability here. But again, it's simply the ability of a product to um, to take stresses from their environment, from their the, the way they are used, and so on, and to to resist them as long as they are you know foreseeable, uh, reasonable stresses, right? Not get broken very easily. Um, when the stress is a bit too too large, so that's that's called durability, and also at the same time be reliable, meaning that if you get used in a certain way, certain predictable way, X number of times or cycles or whatever per 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 day, per week, per month, you gotta make it past the warranty period. You know, you get to uh, maybe the expectation is maybe three years on average, you know, on average, like, like 90% of the time, uh, they will still be working after three years. You know, that's that's a good good kind of measure of reliability. And also, mm-hmm. uh, serviceability, repairability, whatever you want to call it, maintainability, 
um, certain products um, are easier to repair than other or easier to upgrade, right? So if you have an iPhone, maybe you're not very happy because you can't, um, you can just open it and, and change certain things by yourself. It's getting a mm. little bit better because now they've been forced to um, to give their like repair kits and repair instructions to a number of independent uh, service shops. So that's that's um, that, that's a plus. Uh, there's, there's been a lot of push behind that, right? There were a few regulations that came up, I think, last year um, about the right to repair the products, and yeah. that is now really considered what a good quality product is supposed to offer, right? Um, also, Apple has redesigned the iPhone in the iPhone 14. So people who opened it, they say, oh, this one is, um, you know, all the internal parts are, are arranged in, uh, in, in quite a different way uh, and it makes it easier to, to repair. So they've been making some, some progress here, okay? Mm. The next one is, Conformance. You know, does it conform to specs? Does it conform to regulations? And yeah, if you're going to have, I don't know, if if IKEA is going to have a set of um, uh, tableware, and you know the mugs and the, the plates and and whatnot, and maybe they come from three different suppliers. Well. If one of the suppliers messes up and the, the, the shade of gray and the shade of blue is a little bit off, then it's going to look bad when all of these products are together in a set, okay? So it's just got to be all the same. <laughs> this is a dumb example, but really um, there's a lot of, um, I don't know. For example, you... Um, uh, you make brakes, uh, brake systems for, for cars. Okay, well, when the brake system is activated, it's got to do its job, it's got to work, right? In a certain mm. way. And it, it's, it's, um, and there are, there are specific criteria for that. And it's got to last at least that many cycles of braking at a certain force, et cetera, et cetera. You, you could say it's, it's, um, it's reliability. Um, it, it's also conformance to specs because there's very specific uh, specifications and very specific regulations around it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you get, uh, for example, um, one of our friends, uh, Brad Pritz uh, in the US, is a um, very experienced uh, consultant uh, in the auto industry and specifically about uh, the manufacturing of brakes, actually. And um, he, he published something uh, on, on, on our website, when was that? Maybe six months ago, about the ways he checks what his suppliers are doing in terms of really confirming quality, you know, confirming that is the right grade of steel that he gets, etc., etc. Well, he has to translate, you know, um, the brakes have to work. He's got to translate it into a number of very specific criteria, right? It's it's quite important, right? So um, yeah, also when when you have um, I don't know components that have to work with other components, you got to make sure you know for example the dimensions are going to fit, 
<laughs> Otherwise, you got a problem. If the if the USB uh, USB C port I'm going to uh, to plug my iPad in doesn't fit the the opening of the iPad, well, I'm not going to be able to charge my iPad, right? So mm. it goes back to a little Q kind of quality, uh, but it, it it is the basics. If you don't have that. Uh, in most cases, you really don't have anything that, that you can work with. Uh, another one, factor number four, he bundled, bundled a number of things in cu- customer perception. Okay. Um, so um, he, he, he included the aesthetics of the product. He included product features and he included perceived quality in that. Right, so mm. um, aesthetics, I think people understand, right? If it looks nicer, like 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 the Tesla Model S, uh, it's 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 nice, it's sexy, it's attractive, it's a great you know great looking car. Okay, uh, it is going to be seen as a, a better product, right? Uh, I think this one is 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 clear. Well, product features, yeah. If the Tesla lets you um, do a lot more things and pro- program a lot more things into the the the, the, the computer, and it's going to play certain funny noises when you do this or that. You know, uh, okay, that's fun. That's extra features, and um, and and okay, let's let's do it. You know, uh, it, you know, people are going to be more um, uh, more likely to buy it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or for example, a much larger area for for storing things. You know. You, you you can open the the trunk in the front and uh, and put pretty big bags there, right? So th- this really translates into um, into a better product. Okay, then you have perceived quality. So getting back to the Toyota and, and Honda cars, well, they tend to be perceived as better products, more reliable. You know, you you don't have a problem with your Honda until whatever 200,000 miles or something right mm. um uh, that that that's that's the way or yeah if you live in a mountainous area and it snows and everything oh you have a subaru you know yeah. they all four wheel drive they all kind of sturdy products uh usually very well made um mm. and um and and yeah that kind of brand really uh comes with a lot of perceived quality so uh, the, the perception of the customer is quite important. So, uh, so when we we look at cars, of course, there's there's a lot of that. Uh, when we look at well, electronics. I mean, I was talking about Apple. I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, there's a lot of emotional uh, stuff going on here, and then you. Um, but it's 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 really across a wide range of of products and services too. You know. People hmm. people are more likely to buy at Amazon than somewhere else because they know um, they can return very easily because they know there's a very large uh, selection, etc., 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 and they know there's a big company behind, like the credit card information. We not go everywhere, right? <laughs> hmm. um, yeah, and then the fifth factor is fundamental advantage. Uh, I think that could be the topic for another podcast because it's a bit wide um but sometimes um th- there can be more um that 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 that, that actually 
lead people to think that a certain product is a great product or is the right product for them, you know, or they, 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 they think this product is, is really, um, you know, uh, above the competition, right? But I don't want to go into that. If I, if I summarize really talking about quality, this is good quality, bad quality, can mean 20 different things in 20 different contexts, right? So um, you gotta you gotta adjust and you gotta make maybe make it more um, uh, specific. Okay, if you're talking to your, your your supplier and you say, "Well, I want to make sure you you give me good quality," well, you're gonna have to define the standard. You're gonna have to make sure they understand what you expect, and it, you gotta make sure they understand also the percentage of bad products that you, you think is, is not acceptable, right? Because maybe the expectations are quite different here. Okay. Um, but also if you, if you walk the, the shop floor in their factory and you say, well, um, you got a lot of things to work on and they come back to you and they say, well, okay, but our, our quality is pretty good. You should just look at that. Uh, maybe they should open their, open their mind a little bit. and you know, think, well, um, maybe we should reconsider certain things. Maybe we should work on our systems and processes, mm. <laughs> you know, but if the discussion is always about, hey, you delivered 2% of bad products in the past batch, that's that's pretty bad. We cannot keep going with that. Then people stay at the level of little Q quality. Oh, but your standard is not clear. Oh, but the way we tested it, it passes, blah, blah, blah. Now, these are the very, very basics. You need to get that in place first before you can get to the next level. But once you have assured that the standard is clear, they test the product exactly the way you, you test them, et cetera, et cetera, then you can go into the next next level and uh, challenge them and um, and push them to improve their operations. And same thing, Maybe if you're dealing with your salespeople and your designers and so on, and people say, well, you know, our products are great quality, but they don't sell. <laughs> okay, well, maybe you don't really understand what your customers uh, value, right? Uh, hmm. You got to be careful. It's not the quality of your product is not just how many are returned because they don't work. It's much, much wider than that, right? Uh, what 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 is the value that they perceive? Uh, how reliable is it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I like that you've given uh, quite a bit of airtime to the customer, so that the people that are buying the product, right. because oftentimes in all of the different sort of processes or tools that can be used, you know, like if we talk about quality planning, for example, the very first step is think about your customers expectations what are the what are these and that's before you do anything else so yeah that's mm. that that's a to me that's a good point that you've mentioned yeah yeah right cool yeah thanks well lots to unpack there today so everybody that's listening if you want to rewind and <laughs> make sure you've got everything that that's a very interesting and sort of more philosophical uh, a, a approach to talking about quality which i liked if you're thinking about well okay we are manufacturing in asia we're not 
100% clear on if we're giving our manufacturers the right guidance for quality. Get in touch, sophies.com, contact us, and we can certainly be of help with that kind of discussion and making sure that everybody understands where they need to be, right? Yep. Most cases we can help. Yep. Absolutely. With that being said, we'll finish for this week and we'll be back next week as ever. All right. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Sophies Group. We're on a mission to provide you with everything you need to manufacture effectively in Asia, including inspections, auditing, new product development support, contract manufacturing, 3PL warehousing and fulfillment, and much, much more across Asia's key manufacturing areas. Visit us at sofeast.com. That's S-O-F-E-A-S-T dot com to learn more and get help. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do rate, review and share because it will really help others discover us too.